Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Bill Sterley. Bill Sterley is a communication specialist who has been working with executives, individuals, and businesses for over 33 years. Bill provides powerful techniques to help people to communicate more effectively. Bill provides participants a greater understanding of personal thinking strengths, emotional intelligence tools, and most importantly, the practical ways to communicate personally and professionally to create change and get people to really listen to your message. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Kimberly, great to be here. I'm very excited. I am too. We met several years ago and and I got some of your books and materials and that has helped me in my family. But it's it's always a journey, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. It really is. Still working on things. (laughs) Still working on things, you know, to get to a greater understanding about, you know, why people say and do things the way they do. You know, it's really important. So, yeah, absolutely. It is. So just so people can get to know you in your over, you know, 33 years of doing what you're doing. Why don't you tell us about you? Well, the nice thing about uh, my journey is... Um, and the thing I recommend highly is start asking good questions. And what happened is for me is when I started asking good questions, I started with a really simple question, which was, why do people think the way they do? I was uh, teaching anatomy and physiology and high school and coaching football. And that was the first part of my career, like a light year ago. And And um, it was really interesting about some kids really did good in school and some kids not so much on the test. And I was going like, wait a minute, this person can't express it, but they can answer it. And this person can express it, but can't get it on the test right. So I, by, by asking the thinking thing, what wound up happening is as a communication specialist, there were these four different types of communication styles that people speak from. So there's a big difference between an engineer and a social worker and a artist and a police officer. They just speak and think really, really differently. So that was kind of the first part of my journey is that people think differently. Mm -hmm. Well, because I kept noticing people get upset at each other. I don't know, Kimberly, you might notice conflict in the world a little bit. (laughs) is that uh, then I had to ask myself a new question because thinking only went like a third of the way there. It's like, you know, you know, just because somebody thinks like this and things like, doesn't mean there's going to be an argument. So I had to figure out where the argument was coming from. And that's when I met mentor number two, because I asked, why do people behave the way they, I do, the way they do? Why do, why do I behave the way I do? And why does another person behave the way they do? And, and this is where the origin of the conflict comes from, is that if somebody is pursuing, let's say, the need for safety, and another one's pursuing the need for adventure, there's a conflict. <laughs> Opposite. <laughs> you know, and if somebody is looking for the need for like accuracy, and the other person's looking for the need for connection, Those are, that's just a built-in point of view conflict that's showing up. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's where, you know, essentially another third of the conflict comes from. So then as time goes by, I started asking the third question, why do people, why, how does a person's belief 
affect their thinking and their behaving because then that means they're arguing with themselves. They have a belief. Mm -hmm. I should do it this way. I should do it this way. And there are two people yelling in each other's ears about the, what should be done about what. And Mm -hmm. -and so-and-so told me this belief. And I believe this other thing over here Mm -hmm. and literally our, our thoughts are shooting at each other. <laughs> that makes total sense to me. <laughs> it doesn't seem like I would, but that makes total sense to me. So, so if you think about different conflicts that you've experienced, or maybe conflicts or situations that your listeners uh, experience, we could take some of those out for a spin and literally have an example about how do you apply these three different points of view and get these three points of view to work to kind of serve about what the next thing that we can say, because the, where conflict gets reduced is not in the first sentence. It's in the second sentence. If you can say a really good second sentence, the conflict will start to reduce. Okay. No matter what the sentence is. So that's where you and I get to have some fun. And I got tons of stories here. Okay. Just ask me so about have, any of them. You have magic sentences then. I have magic sentences. Okay. So let's take that one where you're talking about, um, let's say there's a husband and wife and the wife wants connection and affection and the husband wants accuracy and he's logical. How do they actually, you know, mix these two? That, that's a great start. Okay. So- Here's the magic sentence that everyone can start, start with. And it's really hard to execute. It takes practice with a little bit of practice. It becomes easier. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere around three to six months, it gets a little easier. And here's the sentence. Empathy before problem solving. Empathy before problem solving. We'll bring the two of them to the middle of the conversation because the husband in this dialogue is looking for problem solving. Mm -hmm. The wife or the partner is looking for connection, but really it's not connection, connection, it's empathy connection Mm -hmm. there. It looks like they're looking for connection, but really they're looking for somebody to get my upset to really get the upset. Mm -hmm. So if, if you think about something that's upsetting and if we take a look at a simple challenge, I'll, let me pull something out of my head to make it easy. Um, I have a 14 year old here at home, but when he was six, there was one time when he stood in front of the refrigerator and I was sitting at the table. He says, dad, get me some ice cream now. <laughs> that so there's a conflict coming up and i could choose to problem solve it or try to fix his tragic language and expression or i can empathize with it i picked the second one i picked empathy before problem solving Mm -hmm. now the empathy sentence started like this tristan could you be feeling frustrated and you need some support from me to get 
some ice cream. Is that what you're requesting me to do? He looks at me puzzled and goes, <laughs> yes. Why was he puzzled? Because he shot a demand in my direction and I brought compassion back in his direction. Mm-hmm. So empathy is like a formula. And, and there is, if this formula doesn't take place, empathy fully doesn't take place. There's a sympathy that might take place, but not empathy. So here's the formula. It's a fill in the blank question. It's Tristan, could you be feeling frustrated? See the feeling word? That's the blank in the equation because you're needing some support. That's the second blank in the equation. Mm -hmm. And then I say, is that correct? And then he says, yes, I instantly built agreement. Mm -hmm. Now, did I like the way he expressed it to me? No. (laughs) But am I going to correct? No. Why am I correcting me? He's six, for God's sake. I'm six. (laughs) What am I going to fix there? He's six. He's got like the vocabulary of a gnat. Come on now. But many parents think that they've got to fix this tone instead of empathizing with the upset. He's six. He's too short. He hasn't figured out he can pull a chair there and get the ice cream himself. You know, and among other things. (laughs) (laughs) So this simple example is with the husband and wife then sounds like this. He could stare at her and say, honey, could you be feeling sad and lonely? And do you need some connection with me? Sad and lonely is the feeling words. Mm -hmm. Connection is the need word to fill our formula for empathy. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? She'll look at him and actually tear up a little bit, go, yeah. (laughs) And then he could ask, well, what would you like today for connection? Might that look like a hug or shall we just talk about something that happened in your day? Meanwhile, he's letting her fix the problem. Mm -hmm. he's not trying to rush rush in and try to do what tragically is taught in our society is to fix a feeling. Mm -hmm. Don't fix feelings. You want to empathize with the feeling (laughs) so that it creates a connection. And then, and then you get a heart, heart space, uh, Kimberly, get a more of a heart space connection rather than a head problem solving situation. So those, so there's a little bit of an example is, is, is there any other personal examples that you might be going through that we can take out for a spin or other things that you can think of that are, might be bigger conflicts in the world that you might w- want me to take on? What, what might be something that would be helpful? Actually, I'm just wondering about that last example. So let's say that sure. the husband wants to do the problem solving. How, what kind of words would the wife use? Because he's more logical based. Great question. And half the time he doesn't know if he's feeling anything. (laughs) So what words would you use with someone who's more logical? So then it would be um, this sentence, the wife saying, listen, I'm hearing that you might be feeling frustrated yourself and you might need, need some clarity 
about how to fix the emotion that I'm experiencing right now. Is that correct? He has to say, yes, just tell me what to fix. Uh Now, the truth is you're not supposed to fix anything, but that won't help him. What helps him is just say, well, what would really help for me is just repeat back this sentence to me. Now, He's going to sit back there and go like, repeat back that. Well, okay, fine. If I'll repeat it back, I'm in the relationship with you. I'll happy to repeat it back. Just say back that, you know, I, I'm feeling a little sad and I would like a a hug to get the need for connection met. Mm -hmm. Oh, honey, you feel sad and you want the need for connection met with a hug. And she says, yes. And then give the hug. It's not, it's okay to ask for things in a request, you don't have to, the husband or the wife doesn't have to come up with all the pro, the solutions for the other person. Mm-hmm. As if that isn't a belief that many married couples have. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. Here's, I got one. I had one the other day with a married couple. Here's what, here's what she said. You've been living with me for 15 years now. You should know this by now. There, there's the belief. You mm-hmm. should know this by now. He's going like, I didn't know that. It's like, <laughs> why? Because they're so busy working with the surface area stuff that they're not able to slow down <laughs> to really get how to contribute. Oh, here's another one. The husband says, after 25 years, um, honey, could you, could you not put, pickles in the in the tuna sandwich and she goes i've been putting pickles in your tuna sandwich for 25 years and he says to her yeah i haven't really liked it i don't really like it (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) and and he's just being kind he's being emotionally safe he's trying to receive the thing and meanwhile He's picking the pickles out just so he doesn't upset or isn't honest with his wife about the pickles because he says, it's no big deal. I just pull the pickles out. And meanwhile, she's thinking 25 years of buying pickles. I could have bought a whole heck of a lot of other things, right? (laughs) Instead of of what I went through. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people are walking around, Kimberly, meeting the need for emotional safety about not speaking up because they don't want to cause an upset. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is throwing honesty under the bus. And they're not um, creating a deeper way to deal with more difficult upsets or more difficult problems when there's losses that take place. You know, and, and that's the thing to really kind of slow down and get is how am I going to be there for this other person in a safer and a deeper way? And that's a lot of the things I teach people how to do is here's some language that you build and practice that become second nature, you know, three months, six months, you know, nine months over time, just a little bit of things. And here's, it's like, I'm a T-ball coach. You put a little ball on a T and then you just say the sentence <laughs> and watch what happens. Oh, you're getting better at it. Okay. I'll put the ball up here. Could you be feeling this because you need this? Yes. Look at the ball fly. Wow, that worked. Right. It worked. So that what winds up happening is that there is that next step of compassion and empathy 
and depth of connection that can take place. Mm -hmm. And then boy, man, that really, really makes a difference. So <laughs> that's a great question. What is So you said a word that just stood out to me. So I know in most relationships, people want honesty, but that's right. going down a little rabbit hole there because honesty to one is different than honesty to another. And how honest should we be? That's a great question. Um, there are a couple of different kinds of honesties. And with those different kinds of honesties, um, we want to pay attention to what the person can receive. So for example, if someone says, um, how does this dress look? And I'm looking to meet the need for emotional safety or kindness. I might not say green's not my favorite color <laughs> because that's the honest response is green's not my favorite color, or I'm not sure about X, Y, Z, or that doesn't really go good with your hair. You know, like that's not the kind you want to do. You want to pick what need is going to be healthier for the relationship. Now, if the relationship is really safe and has resilience to it, and say, listen, honey, I, uh, I like the dress and I love you. But really, what would meet the need for connection and acceptance at the party that we're going for might be something like this. And I'm hoping that it's okay for me to give you that scary honesty. Mm -hmm. Scary honesty is I'm not sure if it's a fit for this event. I'm not sure if it's a fit for... Um, you going outside the house, <laughs> you wear it inside the house. I love you. And I accept you the way you want. So, so again, we've got to figure out how, what need are we picking? And, and, and that becomes the level of honesty. Now, some people might be saying, I'd rather have the honesty straight, which is great. And we really want to honor the process of that person wanting honesty, but they be, they've got to be ready for things that might not sound kind or not be maybe respectful or might you might lose choice because you asked for honesty. Notice I put a bunch of needs under the bus there that are really important there because you don't want to run over somebody's need for choice. If the dress is something you want to choose to wear and you're okay and accepting and loving of yourself, it doesn't matter what my point of view is. Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're interested in that, it's like, well, I've got to look through beyond to who you are as a person and then be okay with that. You know, and then I, I extend, it's called extending acceptance. Mm -hmm. I extend acceptance for your belief in your point of view, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so that you can be aware of you know how uh, how um, how we're connected and that the the connection is stable beyond the dress or whatever the thing is. I mean, we're picking on a dress right now. We can pick on all kinds of things, you know. So, exactly. but this is this is a good good conversation. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I have I have more situations for you. Bring I've on. been just building them up, saving them. So let's Wonderful. say that um, you're at work and you have to work with two other people and you have to make things flow and happen and work together. But there's one person that's always trying to um, antagonize another person. In other words, they're you know, just doing things to make their job difficult purposely 
and you know they're just wanting this person to react because they enjoy seeing them react <laughs> so what if you're that person that is being you know oh great on the on the like uh, on the business end of the stick mm-hmm. yeah so that might sound like this um um, you got two choices. The first choice is either you're going to empathize with yourself. And I usually recommend that first. You don't have to speak it to the person. You could, but you don't have to, but you speak it to yourself. And this is a great example of an empathy sentence. It sounds like this. I feel aggravated. My need for professionalism isn't met mm-hmm. by the things that that person is saying or doing. So notice I'm owning what value professionalism that isn't being met. Now I can move to some of the other ones. I feel irritated because my need for support isn't met with that person. Now I've got two things, professionalism and support. Now the next one is easy. I feel angry because my need for ease isn't met or cooperation isn't met by that person. Now, all of a sudden I've got four really good words. I got cooperation, I've got ease, I've got um, professionalism and I got support. So I've got four needs that aren't, are sitting there. Mm -hmm. So the next time the person does something, I get to come up there and saying, listen, I noticed that you did this thing and it affected my need for consideration and support. And I was wondering if we, can do things a little bit differently so it doesn't impact me so much. Now, the other person goes like, rut row, um, <laughs> uh, I just affected a human being. Now, they could escalate, but really, you know, three-fourths of the time, they'll say, I didn't know I was doing that, or I didn't know that was affecting you. Three-fourths of the time, easy sometimes even more, even higher, even like seven eighths of the time, they're going like, I had no idea that that was impacting your job. I had no idea you took it that way. You know, I had no idea I was stepping over the line there. I was doing your job or I, you were doing my job or I covered whatever. You know, I had no idea the unawareness. Now you can, now you can come back with empathy with the next sentences. So you feel Uh, you know, confused and a little disappointed because you weren't aware of. And now the two of your allies, a lot of times people hold the adversarial. I have two fingers up shooting at each other right now, but we want to turn it to be two people walking next to each other, Mm -hmm. caring about how they can meet each other's needs. So Um, This is what I usually recommend and coach to managers or leaders or spouses to go like, hey, this is a way to get out of that fight. You've been fighting that fight for, you know, a year or two or three or four or whatever the argument's been, Mm -hmm. where you got the business model changed and all of a sudden you needed to like change the way you were doing things. So this is a way to talk your talk through that example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is really helpful. Yeah, so getting in touch with what the buttons are. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing. And then you then you can come back and tell them what buttons were you were pushed so you know which ones they are. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. let me answer the second part of that equation. Okay. This one's hard. And what's hard about this is this is called staring down the good reason that a person does a tragic behavior. 
This is why this is hard. Mm-hmm. It might sound like this. Listen, I'm feeling confused. Would you be willing to tell me? Are you, are you getting your need for ease or efficiency met by doing it the way you're doing it? Because mm-hmm. it's affecting my workload. What's the good reason why you're doing it that way? Is it just to get connection with me? Mm-hmm. Or are you feeling just as helpless as I am in this position? And you would like, you know, us to share the misery. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now uh, that's my own need for humor right there, mm-hmm. but it's literally a lot of people, you know, are looking to share misery where they don't have to, mm-hmm. they can just use empathy and guess the feeling and guess the need and then make a request about what they'd like to see. So those are, I hope that was, I hope that was helpful because it's a little tricky. Yeah. Well, what about in that same workplace situation is they're just vying for who's going to be in control or who's going to, you know, get to do something special or, you know, they're vying for that higher position, even though, you know, yeah. That's a great question because that question really is asking about the difference between a thing called context language and subtext language. And let me show you the difference. Mm-hmm. The word control is like a context word. You don't actually know what it really fully means until I show you what's at the subtext. Mm-hmm. Here are three guesses. <sighs> Could you be feeling frustrated because you would like some more acknowledgement at this job? Notice Mm -hmm. the word control has just went away Mm -hmm. and the word acknowledgement is sitting there as a square bullseye you can hit. Mm -hmm. Boy, are you looking to get some respect by doing what you're doing? Are you looking to be seen? Are you looking for financial security? And that's why you're working hard and doing my job instead of just doing yours, you're doing yours plus mine. And we're not really collaborating because you'd really like financial security or like to advance and get a different position. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're going for over there? Those are called good reasons why Mm -hmm. the person is doing that. Now, if you think about it, and I I know that you're in the health field too, it's, it's, this one's hard because what's the good reason why you're smoking the way you're smoking? Mm -hmm. Is it for comfort? Is it to medicate anxiousness? Is it to deal with emotional safety? Because those aren't the greatest strategy because you're throwing health under the bus. <laughs> it's, 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 right? right. It's, not, it's not good strategy, but it is a strat. It's a way to get those needs met, but mm-hmm. it's not like the strongest way to get it, not the strongest way to get it met. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it takes a lot of compassion and empathy to ask the question, what's the good reason slash what is the good need that the person is getting met by a tragic behavior? Now, any tragic behavior that you like to push in front of me, we can build empathy. Now, it doesn't mean I like the tragic behavior. It just means I can say an empathy sentence to the, to the behavior the person's doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that we can now play with, you know, there's a lot of tragic things that people do and say. Yeah, that's for sure. So um, if someone's in a work situation where 
um, let's say their superior is asking them to do something, they either think it's, you know, not right just from a logical standpoint or think they, they think it's not right from an ethical standpoint and they have to, you know, approach this person and say, hey, I can't do this. How do they do that? Well, the safest need to go after first is the need for privacy. It sounds like this. Uh, uh, boss, listen, I have a sensitive issue and I need some privacy around this issue. Could, would you and I, would you be willing to have a discussion about it? I think it's going to be helpful for both of us. Notice I put the word privacy and the word helpful before I even brought the problem up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now I'm in the office with the person. Here's the first sentence. I'm just going to use the word Jim because it came to my mind. Jim, when you told me to do this, I really feel hesitant because it's not in alignment with integrity or what I learned as best for this situation. How best can I bring that up to you when things don't fit for me to do? but I know how important it is for you to do it. And I most certainly know how important it is for me to have a job here, but I also want us to have honesty between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Would that, would that be okay with you? Now I'm, I'm agreeing on honesty. I am not agreeing on what, whether or not I'm going to do it or not. <laughs> I'm just saying, I want honesty and to freedom to express ourselves. Now, usually the listener like seven eighths of the time will say, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about it that way. Or Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware. Um, Kimberly, awareness or lack of awareness is rampant. I mean, it is is literally, it is all over the place because people are working from expectations and assumptions way more than you could ever think. (laughs) Of course they would do it that way. I assume you would follow my orders. It's like, well, not if it's going to kill somebody or not if it's against an ethical thing for me, mm-hmm. or maybe this job isn't a fit for me or those kinds of things. And then I have to go through the pain of getting a new job or the reality that we can do a workaround. How can we get your needs met, Jim, at the same time as my needs met? And then that usually gets them, those two people on even ground. I'm not saying it's comfortable, I, but I, what I am saying is it works. That's the best part. Because if you run into the person that one eighth of the time becomes volatile, then there's some other sentences that, that you need to say. Ah, gosh, I'm guessing you just want me to be a good soldier and listen to what you tell me. Yeah, well, you know, part of me feels really a little junky about that, but a part of me knows how important it is for you to get it done. I just want to let you know that, you know, I'm just going to do this because you told me to do it. Now, if it's life-threatening, you won't do it. If it's completely unethical, you're not going to do it. If it's financially catastrophic, you don't do it. But you've got to actually speak. It's called speaking truth to power or creating a compassionate response to power. Because, hey, you know, I know you're my boss and you're under pressure from the people above. And you're just trying to get something done, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes the boss above you is going to ask you for an unethical thing. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really problematic. Yeah. You know, for me, and I'm, I guess I, you know, I guess I could resign and, but I also don't want you to have somebody else do the thing that is not good because it's going to affect the customer and blah, blah, blah. So, mm-hmm. so that's the way to face those things and move them forward, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get them to move a little bit so that there's, that there's uh, not as much retaliation or there's not, I mean, there's minimal re- retaliation. There's usually a breakthrough if you're approaching it that way. Got it. Okay. So I want to swing back into families again. Okay. Um, let's say you have a family member that is putting themselves or someone else at risk uh, for health reasons or even, you know, possible, you know, death. They're just, they're not acting responsibly. Um, so, you know, the, the family tries to talk to them, but right. basically they just like refuse to talk either by running away, screaming, or just not participating in the conversation. Okay. So when somebody is running away, screaming, those are two needs. It's choice and emotional safety mm-hmm. are the two. In other words, uh, it's emo- it's not emotionally safe to talk about me losing my choice. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to run away. And so, um, so it's a when, and we can go approach them by knocking on the door, say, "Hey, listen, I I hear that this is really painful for us to discuss, but let's just talk about how you can get the choices you would like, and I can get the safety I would like." Notice I created a two need request, Mm -hmm. your choices, my safety. Mm -hmm. Usually that orients the person to say, oh, they're interested in my choices, Mm -hmm. but they're also interested in their safety. Mm -hmm. All right. Now let's make this a little more difficult. Okay. I see that you're eating the junk food the way you're eating it and you're meeting your need for comfort Mm -hmm. and emotional safety, and you want to choose to eat whatever food you want. I feel scared about your health. Mm -hmm. And I I also feel scared about connecting with you because I love Mm -hmm. you deeply and you're 65 years old and your weight is here. And I don't want to be the person that hides your candy away from you. Just because I care about you. Mm-hmm. I care deeply about you. I kind of want you around and we've got to figure out a way that the two of us can get the connection I would like and the health that I see for you. I don't want to take it all away. Mm-hmm. I just don't want you to have three boxes of chocolates <laughs> <laughs> just to comfort yourself. Now, I, I, I usually in these in these script dialogues, I usually exaggerate it just to get it to be things. But mm-hmm. all of us that are listening to this know that there's there's, there's so many examples of that. People so, doing things that's detrimental to their health. You know, that, that, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're picking they're picking taste, comfort, emotional safety, choice independence ahead of health, wellness, their own body's comfort of eating junky food. Mm -hmm. 
you know, all you got to do is, you know, try a certain, a change in diet for three days and watch your body completely go like, where have you been? Mm -hmm. You know, instead of the habit patterns that pe most people go on with diet. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good example. Thanks. Uh, you got, I mean, that's a good one. Cause that's a family one. I mean, mm -hmm. you can watch health and, you know, whether it's also the mask narrative, you know, shall I wear a mask or not wear a mask? And that's, <laughs> that's again, choice and independence and, and the efficacy of whether or not it works. Meanwhile, the, on the other side is, you know, uh, uh, wellness and health and protection for others mm -hmm. and the, and their important people, their parents, their elderly grandparents and so on and so forth. Cause you don't, you don't really don't want to be the guy or the gal that handed it off that all of a sudden knocked off, you know, grandma, you know, mm -hmm. which has clearly happened multiple times, you know, right now. So it's very, it's a very sad time right now uh, that we, mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of um, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we slow down to mourn the 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 the, the gravity and the depth of the loss that uh, that we're that we're facing. But uh, um, I, I, you know I'm really interested in that part because we've had so much loss of uh, mm -hmm. of life and and uh, and other casualties along the way. You know, so yeah. so I hope that was helpful. <laughs> yeah, that was really helpful. So I have another one. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Oh gosh, the so, list I asked you, you know, for. You know, just you know, thinking about families, you know, there's there's times when uh two brothers or two sisters or whatever, they got in a fight and it's yes. 10 years later and they have not spoken to each other yet. And they're getting older and you know, there's less family around and and they're still not talking. Still not talking. Um, you know, how yeah. do you start that if you're one of that one of those siblings or how do you start that conversation? So, so usually there's two people they're, they're, they're digging their heels in about who did what wrong, who said what wrong, what the interpretation was. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yes, it was a big deal. Uh, this is the cost or this is the loss or you sold, stole this really big thing from me or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and some people will have a very difficult time restoring trust. So notice I'm going right directly at a key need that wasn't met in the, in the situation. So if I were providing mediation support, which I've done multiple times between siblings, mm -hmm. it's like I ask, how can we restore some trust so that we can get to closure? Notice I'm putting two words next, two needs next to each other. Mm -hmm. Trust, some trust. I didn't ask them for all trust. I'm asking for some in order to get to closure. Closure is a really important need because we want the past to sit in the past. Mm -hmm. The past is written one page of history at a time. Mm -hmm. Every day gets a page. <laughs> See how weird this gets really quick. It's like, you want that event to stay on that page. Regrettably, in this situation that you get, what is happening is the siblings have taken that page, ripped it out, and keep moving it forward in the book, reading the same page over and over again. 
and I'm chuckling at it. But as soon as the listener and, our, and your and your listeners, you know, get a hold of this, it's like, oh my gosh, why am I taking the page of what happened when my dad said X Y Z or my mom said X Y Z when I was age seven? I took that page, I ripped it out, and I've been playing it over and over again. And I'm in my mid fifties. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing that? I don't need that page. It belongs back there. Where's the tape, the scotch tape, so I can tape it back where it belongs. Okay, so now I've done the setup. Here's the resolution. Here's how to take the tape and put it back there. (laughs) Is I want to mourn the thing that happened, real or imagined, Mm -hmm. and then celebrate something that it did for me. I got to mourn the damn thing first. So for example, oh, wow, that's an interesting flashback. If I, if I think about the argument that my dad and I had when I was age 11 and he was mad at me for something and he said, whatever he said to me, I was, I got pissed because he was really empathizing with me because he didn't have any tools of the empathy. Of course, that allowed me to be develop empathy skills, but this is what I did. He got mad. And what I did was tie a rope to his passenger side window of his truck. So when he backed out, it would yank the window off. (laughs) Because I was was 11. (laughs) Now that page just came forward to share to everybody so that you could see that, you know, I was 11. And my need for fairness wasn't met. And my dad didn't empathize with how mad I was that I didn't get to choose to do what I wanted to do. And I made him pay for it. Mm-hmm. Now, to my dad's credit, he did not punish me for it. Now, when I think back on that, and I think back uh, some other parents and some people are listening to this and go like, oh my God, my dad would have beat the crap out of me or I would have had to do this kind of penance. I would have went to jail even though I was 11, you know, whatever. You know, so, and they're bringing back really very, a person could have a very trauma experience. I'm just picking a simple one that showed up in my brain. Mm -hmm. But really what needed to take place is what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to mourn that my dad didn't have awareness and Mm -hmm. he didn't have the skill to give me empathy for my upset. I was 11 and he's a construction worker. So there. So I'm not going to go there and expect him to have my languaging skills Mm -hmm. because that thing set me to one of the many events that set me to move forward, to learn how to put things in the past, whoever the listeners are right now, you know, we could, I'll be glad to help them to get that page to sit where it belongs because it belongs back there. Mm -hmm. And now I just gently mourn it. And I chuckle about it as a form of celebration. It's going like, well, it's one of the things that got me to be a high conflict mediator and a communication specialist. This is, that was one of the moments that gently turned my career in this direction. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how to put it in the past. Now, if you had one and you wanted to figure out how to do that, we can work through that, or you can see how, you know, Uh, a person can just gently write the script so it stays on the page that it stays, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, anyways, that's a way to help with that one. 
Yeah. So as you were talking about the last story, this big word came up in my mind. The big problem here, money. A family member loans another family member a large sum of money. There it is. And the, the family member that was loaned it is now running, ignoring, you know, too busy, all those, never all those has sins. the money. Never has the money. No, no. So in the listen, in the person that loaned the money, they need to do self-empathy first. So they got to say, I feel angry. My need for integrity is not met. I feel aggravated. My need for trust isn't met. Mm -hmm. I feel annoyed. My need for connection is, is not met because this affected connection between the two of us. Mm -hmm. And I feel disheartened because I really had a need for cooperation or collaboration or trust with my brother or sister. And they really are not showing up at this time. Notice I said, not showing up at this time, because I sort of want to get the money back. So, but I also want to recognize that, well, they haven't showed up at this time. And um, this is where I am in the process of getting the thing back, or maybe I don't get it back. Mm -hmm. Now, let's suppose you can't get something back like money or somebody uh, that was close to you had passed or had died and you can't get anything back because you, but you still have that history page coming forward because they died and they, they, they stuck you with the bill or whatever, right? This process is still the same. I can mentally choose to make it a gift. Write it off as a bad debt. Write it off as a contribution. Write it off as me being kind. Now it's starting to sit back on the page where it belongs. Yeah, at that moment, I was being kind and supportive to you. And I'm going to choose to allow that contribution to stay there in the field of time. It was a 10000 20000 $1,000, $100, $5,000 contribution. Doesn't matter the amount. But I'm not going to let it affect the need for connection between the two of us, between us. And I'm going to write you that email. Listen, I know that it's been hard for us to get together because I'm guessing it's painful for you to see me because of the money that's between the two of us. But I want to let you know that I'm going to put it in the category as a contribution. And if you choose to pay me back, then that's great. But if you choose not to, I'd rather prefer the connection with you as a family member rather than keep dealing with the disconnection of avoidance. Mm -hmm. It's a small price because I did it with joy to begin with anyways. Now the need for trust is not at a level 10 when I gave you the money. It's clearly five and below <laughs> probably not going to trust you with money again, but the need for trust is at least at five. I kind of trust you with, you know, staying with my kids. I trust you connected to a party. I trust this thing about you. I kind of trust our childhood and I trust those things. So I'm going to make it a five. I'm not making it a 10, <laughs> but I'll be glad to put it in perspective. So 
So Kimberly, that's called building a, a narrative that's inclusive and has perspective to it. Mm-hmm. It's a way to take things. Why do I want to write it this way? Is because I'm in charge of the writing. And I don't want the other story to be told. Mm-hmm. My brother's a jerk. He never showed mm-hmm. up with me. I should have never laid the money to him. What was wrong with me? I had lent him money before and he never paid that money before. And he's always a promise guy and he's always late to the parties. And every time I walk away, he's always evasive. I don't want any of that narrative to exist in my consciousness no. at all. <laughs> Just see how funny it is. Once I, once I start talking about it, you're like, oh, I've got five stories like that, you know, that I need to get rid of. <laughs> so that's, that's the way, that's the way I recommend approaching this. And this is the way I recommend it is the re-scripting of the past mm-hmm. because we don't get the past back. No. I, I don't know. Do you know anybody with a time machine that could go back and fix a mistake? No. No. I don't either. So the mourning of the past becomes the thing that puts it there. I mourn the loss. Mm-hmm. And it might be not the loss of life. It may be the, the loss of a need that wasn't met. Respect, fairness, integrity, trust. You see what happens? That I'm going to mourn the loss of that need. Yeah, the person's still alive, but they don't meet my need for trust the way they used to. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Cause now I can accept it. I can accept this. This is the bandwidth that they can listen. And then I don't go there again I, regarding this. And they, they can, they'll come up to me, apologize. They can even apologize. I'll say, listen, I'm turning down the apology. And there's no need to apologize because I've come to peace with this and it is a gift and it's a contribution. If you choose to contribute it back, that's up to you, but I have, I'm going to choose it to be, a zero expectation on it coming back. They're floored because they're in their mind have been fighting with their own voices and beliefs. I'm a bad person. What kind of brother am I? But I really needed the money. I saved my life. I saved my family and whatever, you know, and they're telling themselves the tragic story and we can help them off their tragic story. Yeah. So you help two people. Help two people. Yep. So I bet there's people who would love to um, connect with you. Uh, why don't you talk about your book coming up, your podcast, your services? This is a place where you just get to tell people what you got and where do they come to get it. So I really appreciate that. Um, the, uh, the ability to support other people, like you, what you and I are up to, is uh, the first way I support people is that Um, I do coaching packages uh, for 10 hours of skill building in how to speak compassionately or to put history pages in the back. Um, And they can uh, reach me uh, through billsterly.com and it's S-T-I-E-R-L-E, billsterly.com. And they can just send me an email or, uh, you know, even call me. I think my phone number is on the website too. So just give me a call. And then the second way, if they would like to just listen in to how this works, my podcast is called Purchasing Truth, and it focuses around both business and politics because of the conflict that was happening in politics. 
one of my clients said, Bill, could you just please do something with politics so people can listen and feel better or, uh, or understand how to communicate compassionately through politics? I said, great, I'd be happy to do that. So I have, you know, like 170 podcasts out there that you can listen to all ways of, and situations regarding truth. Well, this is the way the truth is seeing it. And this is the way one side sees the truth and the way the other side sees the truth. And this is the way truth is getting purchased by messages, by media people, by personalities, by messaging. And here's how it's being sold, how truth is being sold, which is a really important thing to learn that a truth can be sold by just putting a reward, creating anticipation and creating uncertainty. Those three little steps sells truth. It doesn't mean it's the truth, but it is, is what well, the truth that's being sold. And then the, the uh, last thing that you mentioned was um, having to do with uh, my book, which is called Emotional Sobriety. Now, emotional sobriety is different than chemical sobriety. But in my experience in working in drug and alcohol addiction, there is the one part that's the chemical part. And then the other part is the language part. And the both of those two are working off of each other. The language part is how the story is being told in a trauma way that causes the person to use the chemical to medicate the trauma. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I take a look at how do you deal with and set up language narratives, um, you know, to, you know, create a healthier life, you know, and to get things to go much, much, much better, much better. So those are the, those are the three things that, that are really, you know, kind of like out there in the world, the, the coaching part of it and the, uh, uh, the podcast part of it and the, the book part of that. But I also train organizations to do it too. So that'd be the fourth thing. So if you have an organization where there's a lot of conflict or a lot of uh, adversarial or, um, uh, you know, backbiting or, you know, that kind of conflict that really is uh, not a healthy work environment, then I come in and work with management executive teams as well as the frontline workers about what to say or do when that employee says that or that coworker says that. And this is the way to best approach it mm -hmm. you know, so that you can move past the situation and put it in the past the best way you can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Bill. And for all your examples, it's been great. Very eye-opening. Wonderful. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much. And anytime you want me to come back and take another round, or if you want to collect up your conflicts and you say, Hey, I think I filled up my dance card with, you know, things I'm going to cash it in with Bill. And here's my seven conflicts. I want to work out with them. You know, feel free to have me back at any time. Cause I, I really appreciate you contributing to your listeners and, and, uh, and I'm sure they find value in it too. So that's just a really a fun thing to be on this with you. Yes. So I have one last question before we complete. Sure. What is your best advice for living an incredible, extraordinary life? Best advice to start up, to start an incredible life? To live an incredible a very, life. Very <laughs> simple sentence. Make sure that message sent is message received. Now, let me show you how that works because it's a great question. Message sent is message sent, message received. And here is the magic sentence to make sure that that takes place. 
and it takes a little while to practice it to make it natural. But here's the sentence. When you make a sentence to another person and you're checking in to see if they've heard it, the magic sentence is, would you be willing to tell me what you've heard me say? And then you pause. And then you see what you get back. Because somewhere between 70 and 85% of the time, you do not get back the thing that you said to them. <laughs> and then you give them the second opportunity to listen. You say, thank you. I have more. And you give them the same sentence that they did not hear the first time. So my kids are known as the best listeners because I have practiced them to be listeners, mm -hmm. whether it's my daughter or my two sons, I've practiced them. Would you be willing to tell me what you've heard me say? And then I listen to see how much they've heard. Mm -hmm. And when they repeat it back, I say, thank you. Then I know message. Then I don't have to repeat it. Then I have agreement. I also have accountability. That makes our life wonderful. Agreement, accountability, listening, connection, message sent is message received. And then there's no mistake for terrible listening. So I'll come into my son's room. Aiden, would you be willing to put your clothes in the hamper because I'm doing a load of laundry? And he's looking at me, but he's barely looking at me because he's looking in the computer. He says, yeah, dad, got it. That was not what I said. I said, thank you. I have more. Would you be willing to tell me what you've heard me say? He said, yeah, you, you said I have to clean the room. <laughs> I did not say clean the room. I said clothes and hamper. I said, thank you. I have more. The clothes that are on the floor in the hamper. Could you say that part back? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, you only want the clothes in the hamper? He stopped playing his game. He threw the clothes in the hamper. <laughs> but if his mind is thinking clean the room, I'm not seeing those clothes for another four hours. Because <laughs> who? what kid wants to clean their room? Mm -hmm. But I wa didn't want the cleaning the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I really appreciate your question. What would make a person's life wonderful to a full life is just gently checking in to see if message sent is message received with that simple, would you be willing to tell me what you've heard me say? And, and I have many other sentences like this that'll really make a big difference, but I really appreciate you asking the question. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bill. And Anytime. We'll Looking forward to our next time. Okay. <laughs> okay.